Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Domizanovel. And I'm so happy today to welcome Catherine Yetz, all the way from St. Francis, Wisconsin, a little bitty town. Found out when talking to her, she likes small town living, and so do I. Of course, I don't live in a small town, but it doesn't make, doesn't make me like it any less to enjoy small town living. She's an avid educator and a poet. And her poetry can be found in many literary magazines and anthologies, including Blue Hair and Review, Universal Oneness Anthology, River and South Review, and Fifth Wall Press. In 2018, she won the Jade Rink Award for the Wisconsin Writers Association. She has three chapbooks, So I Can Write, The Animal Within, and I Learn, I Teach. When she's not teaching or writing, she can be found on the shores of Lake Michigan, taking walks with her husband. Welcome, Catherine. It's so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much. <laughs> and how are you doing today? Doing rather well. I um, just got off of work and came to my podcast. So. <laughs> and what kind of work do you do? I work with America Works, which works on, with clients on W-2, so government funding, um, to help them find jobs. And my role is the education navigator. And I help those who don't have a high school diploma um, get their HSCD or GED. I also um, assist with the hydroponics garden and getting clients interested in the hydroponics entrepreneurship program we have. And I do a lot of other things. I wear a lot of hats there. So, wow, you're getting America to work. Mm -hmm. That's the whole <laughs> That is wonderful. That is so great to hear. I mean, we really need people. We need workers. And mm -hmm. how wonderful to, to get people to that point, you know, through that education so that they can be marketable for, you know, jobs. Right, right. And a lot of um, you know, some clients have hopelessness and don't feel the see the benefits in education anymore, but I try to lead them to that point. Um, some are very excited to go back. Some are more apprehensive. It all depends on their experiences that they've had in life. And I just hope that once I get them in the school, they have a great experience Wonderful. and recognize the value. Absolutely. You know, it does not hurt to to have an education for sure, and to have that sense of accomplishment. You know, getting a GED, you know, getting the equivalent diploma, because you know it does really make a difference, and it shows you know, that a person's dedicated and disciplined, and you know, interested in moving forward in their life and making a difference. So, bravo to you for providing oh, such a wonderful yeah. service to folks. I want to congratulate you on this Jade Ring Award. Please tell me about this. I'm interested always to know about awards. Uh, the Wisconsin Writers Association offers an award, uh, Jade Ring Award in fiction, poetry, and nonfiction every year. And I had my ring, um, I think it might've been 2017 rather than 2018. I think that was a typo on my part, um, but I won it and um, it was crafted by craft the guy who makes craft cheese. Oh, wow. He designed the ring and it was, yeah, I just think that's a funny little fact because they have a different design every year. I'm just lucky I got the craft man to do mine. <laughs> How appropriate for Wisconsin. And cheese right, cookies. the cheese. Yes, yes. 
<laughs> I remember driving all the way to Wisconsin from Illinois just to, to load up on a bunch of cheese to take back. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, there's nothing quite like it. But, well, congratulations on that award. That is, that's excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I won it for a poem. Um, it's in the book, The Animal Within, and it's called Plath's Birthday. And it's based on the poem Blackberries by Sylvia Plath. And um, some of the lines start with the same word that she used in that poem. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of made the poem flow. Um, but rather than blackberries, it's pumpkins because Plath's birthday is in October. Oh, that is so awesome. Yeah. I love Sylvia Plath. And um, last year, um, I was teaching a class um, for an anthology that we do every once a year. In fact, we're getting ready to start working on it in September called A Safe and Brave Space. And I used the Blackberry with Sylvia Plath as one of the poetry prompts to oh. stimulate some ideas on writing poetry. Um, so yeah, love, love that poem. It's one of my favorites. So perfect. Small <laughs> world to, that we have. <laughs> I'll have to steal that prompt from you and try it out with students. Yeah, so you'll have to maybe shoot me an email and remind me and I'll, I'll send you yeah. the information. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> That's great. So you teach uh, poetry classes. You talk about students and prompts. Um, sometimes I'll do workshops um, through various places. Um, for the most part right now, I'm just teaching adults to get their HSCD. I sneak poetry in there as much as I can. Um, their first uh, poem that they write is an I'm from poem. And it's all prompted and they get to know each other through their poetry. Right. And then I also have um, them write an acrostic as well as um, they have a choice for their novel project to write a poem. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear you incorporate that into your classes. Yeah, it's fun time. They, some of them really appreciate it too and really enjoy it. Well, you know, there's poetry in everything we do, and you know, you're you're using that in, in a very important work. Someone might think, "Oh, I gotta go get this, you know, education's GED or whatever I have to go get." Um, it's probably not going to be all that exciting, you know, blah blah. And then look at this, we get to write poetry. Oh, it's my right. kind of class. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. They love it. They love it. Now you have three books. Yes, chapbooks. They're all chapbooks. I have So I Can Write. That one has some smuts on the cover, sorry. Uh, Animal Within I had mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then my most recent, um, hold on, there, I Learn, I Teach. I Learn, I Teach. Can you tell me a bit about what that book is about? Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. So the first section of the chapbook is I Learn. And it's um, about my kind of rough and rugged childhood um, and different aspects of that. And then the I teach section is about my teaching experiences, um, teaching middle school and high school. So some of them is based off of my clinicals and my student teaching. And some of them are based off of actually being in the classroom and teaching um, on my own. And also it, reflects a little bit on um, depression 
as well as the difficulty of teaching with depression and the idea of it connects to the I learn not having that adult figure in my life there for me and trying to be that for my students. And do you have a poem that you'd like to share from this book? Actually, I do. I have a couple, but okay. I will for now just read. Um, it's the first poem in the I Learn section, and it's called During the War. And I write a lot of ecrostic poetry, so it was inspired by Brittany Sanchez's photography. Spring had left us restless like crocuses crouched in the grass. The sound of airplanes brought us home every night, rustling through the backyard to a wet porch, floodlit by the kitchen window, the sky a washed out denim, stalling before the stars came. We stumbled up the wood steps and the whoosh above made us cover our ears. We were young and our eyes rolled up like in death to look. We were young and knew nothing of disaster or a longing for home. We were always home could smell our stepdad's vodka before it hit the glass. The planes flew just above our roof, so close we thought we could just reach and grab a wing. Beautiful. Love that. Love your flow. Really nice flow with the poetry. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and um, do you have um, another poem that you'd like to share from one of your other books? I'll stick with the same book for now. Okay, all um, right if you don't mind. Um, I don't mind at all. Hmm. I'll stick with this same one. Uh, I'll read from the same section. Um, this one's called Unlove. My father's eyes cool behind rose-colored glasses. Your mother did not love me. On a bench off the bank of the fox, Sun sets like a cliche, hyacinth pinks and purples, some gray. She did not love me, he says, and goes on, tears purling on his cheeks. And I learn what love isn't. I learn where to go when I'm lonely, this river edge, these rocks, how to wrap memories in newspaper and keep them in a box. Mm -hmm. Wow. The sunset's like a cliche really stuck with me on that. I like that. Yeah, that one took a couple of drafts to write. A lot of the times a poem will just come out of me, but mm -hmm. that one was really hard to put together. And I was lucky to be in um, Margaret Roska, former poet laureates and um, a very big Wisconsin activist. She actually um, did the marches in 67 across um, the viaduct and um, for equal housing. So she did a lot of marching um, during MLK times. And I was very lucky to be in a couple of her workshops. So this workshop specifically, I was able to get that poem out of me. And I, I just, I can't extra, express enough the importance of workshops and going to different um, poetry events and things like that to be able to get it out. <laughs> yes. Do you um, do workshopping with other poets where you go over each other's poems to kind of offer feedback? Oh, yes, yes. Um, I'm in, um, I was in All Writers uh, Writing Workshop with Kathy Giorgio that's directed by her and run by her. And that one um, is a paid one. Um, 
but it's for all writers. So it's really wonderful. And I also, I have, I'm in a couple other workshops now, uh, Rogue One, I have, I do that with a couple friends. Um, I do Driftless Poets, which is, well, most of it's all on Zoom now, not in person. Um, Driftless Poets uh, is based in, um, hmm, I can't recall which space, a couple hours away from me um, at Shake Rag Alley. It's a, like a art, art center. And I also do um, the trio, which is three of us from our, our poets that kind of branched off and are doing our own with a smaller group. So it's three of us, the trio. And there's one more. Well, I'll just do um, random workshops that are like guided workshops quite often um, with Margaret Rosk. I really loved her workshop um, on the front lines, behind the lines, because myself and a lot of was, people would always ask her, how do you write political poetry? And she always was like, I, I don't know how to explain that right now. And she was very like subtle about it. And then she decided it was best to make it a workshop to really fully explain what does that mean to write a political poem. Um, so, cause that, that's not an easy thing to do. No, no, it's not. <laughs> but she does it very successfully, um, especially in her books, um, pretty much all of her books, like, uh, justice freedom herbs um she does reflections in the garden along with um reflect political reflections uh her poem though i haven't been to baghdad or her book sorry her book though i haven't been to baghdad about her son going overseas and then uh 200 nights in one day is about the marches from different perspectives from different people wonderful we just yeah. published uh, Social Justice Inks, an anthology um, to deal with different social justice issues. Um, and um, it was very well received. And oh, God. the poems were so outstanding that editing it was a challenge because I had a, a co-editor with that one because it I had to go over poems with someone else and get different perspectives and all of that. But we ended up with a really fantastic book. So yeah, I'm writing political poems, writing poems about social justice. It does take a certain talent, um, certain mm -hmm. ability to be able to convey, you know, without it just sounding like a rant, you know, but to right. <laughs> have a purposeful poem that, you know, states the problem in suggest maybe some type of ideas of how it could be solved. So, yeah. Right, right. And there are, there is a place for poems, I feel that are kind of ranting politically in a way, but it's just it not, I, I guess I do have a poem where I do that. And so I can write, um, and the section is actually called, um, what's that called again? The Feminist Rants. <laughs> The first section is the feminist rants. The third section is the horse, the whore raves. And the final section is the poet speaks. So it's three different sections of kind of different perspectives. Um, but yeah, that poem, poem is called Turn My Cheek and it's very much a feminist rant. <laughs> Can I put you on the spot to read that for? 
Sure, I, I can read that one. Turn my cheek. I turn my cheek, but I do not mean to. I cannot see where the us versus them is coming from in terms of white versus black and brown and yellow and tan and all the people who have been labeled them, even though they are a part of us. We cannot help but categorize, my friend told me, dichotomize and prioritize and organize objects around us. Wait, I thought we did this already. Homo sapien. Let's evolve again. Let's stop turning our cheeks and see color. Let's mix it all together. You know, that whole melting pot idea without losing the flavor, the spices of culture. Privileges on my lips. I see it like an Estee Lauder glass shimmering as I talk. I understand this blasphemy that I speak of a utopia when I am one of the ones who keeps the gate closed to one of the notoriously dubbed others. Please don't consider me just an ally in this fight. I have my own understandings of what it is to be a second class citizen and other in my own right. Let's not categorize our otherness and unite. Let's not make this a debate of who was hit harder by this fuck show we understand as normal, not making equalities among unequals. What are we fighting against? Do we know our enemy, the face of the oppressor? I hear people scream patriarchy, white, heterosexual, cisgender, upper middle class, middle-aged, able-bodied males. Let's be honest here. The enemy does not have a gender, a race, a sexuality, a class, an age, a sex. This thing is a whole new animal. We all help to create and keep feeding. Those in power stay in power because they know the status quo, keeping the cage clean and bars melded around those who do not follow, keeping the other just comfortable enough to not notice the lock on the door, to not notice the glass on the ceiling. Racism and sexism do not exist anymore, friends tell me. Yes, most are white, it's Christmas. Yes, most have a penis and consider themselves men. Yes, those people do have an idea what they're talking about. Things are getting better, but they are not straight up better. It is, I can do anything I want to despite my identity better. It is look at all the things I have accomplished even though I am not white better. It is, I am making more money than women before me, but not the same as a man better. Every accomplishment has a disclaimer. Every achievement and apology, one person rises, another falls. I spoke of a cage we all helped to build. I've been told it needs to be dismantled and I would agree if I was not so cynical. Here's what I propose. Let's blow the fucking thing to bits. Am I screaming anarchy possibly? Have I lost hope in Sandy? Yes, but as we dismantle one bar, another is being melded. As we try to pick the locks, another is being forged. As we try to crack, crack the glass of the ceiling, another crack is being reinforced. So my idea is only logical. Aren't there bigger things you should be worrying about as a common response to many of my concerns? Can you not hear or see the masses of people demanding change? How much bigger do you want this issue to be? I'm sorry I'm not comfortable despite the faux plush pillow that buffers the blows of inequality. I'm sorry I see every flaw, every fissure in my forced reality and can break open every word said and hear the discrimination embedded in its skin. I have to turn my cheek because this realness burns my retinas. But in my periphery, I still see the truth, no matter how hard I try to look away and close my eyes. Yeah, that one was a rant. Oh. <laughs> well, no, I, it was a rant, but it, it offered food for thought. It offered possibilities. To, Thank yeah. you. 
Thank you. I would have put that in my book if had you had submitted it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Good to hear. Now, which book did that come from? That comes from my first chapbook, So I Can Write, covered by published by Cyberwit. Um, this one, the cover's all messed up, but my my cousin uh, Brittany Sanchez actually did the cover, and it's a Barbie doll. You can kind of see it, maybe not. It's a Barbie doll and her face is fine. And then it's a double image and the other one she's covered in mud. Um, so I, I did I see those doll. on uh, Amazon. I saw those on there. Yeah, yeah. It's available on Amazon as well as on Cyberwit um, Press at their website. So, and um, well, this one's not available in Barnes and Nobles, but my other two is on Barnes and Noble website too. Okay, great. And you have a Facebook page for your author page? Yes, um, author Catherine Yetz, no E before the R, um, and a website as well. I have a website. So just Google me. <laughs> You'll find something. <laughs> and I'm on Instagram too. I don't post as much on there, but. I think I followed you everywhere that I can follow you on there. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Instagram quite a bit because I do a lot of promotions. But oh. Do you have another poem you'd like to share with us? Certainly. Um, I was going to stick with I Learn, I Teach, but I think I'm going to go ahead. Since we mentioned Platt's birthday, I kind of have to read it. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. So this one got me my jade ring. And as I said, um, it's inspired uh, partly by um, class poem, Blackberries, and it's called Plast Birthday. Nothing but pumpkins left to right with ivy swirls, curls around my boots and a cornfield somewhere at the end of it, amazing pumpkins, big as my head, fat with star glistening seeds and guts. I had not asked for such orange, burnt as the ember of my cigarette. They love me. They wait for picking like girls at a bar or dance. Overhead the crow's caw, theirs is the voice of autumn, of pumpkin ale and cranberry moonshine, bits of last night's ashes in the sky. I come to one patch of pumpkins so bright it hurts my eyes, slumping their amber bellies and their knotted stems in a haystack. I believe in a kind of heaven with one look hooked into this moment in October. The only thing to come now is the cornfield between two hills. The wind blows and a stalk slaps me like a playful lover. These hills, these fields, once too green and sweet to know the bitter pumpkin seed. I follow a scarecrow's path to the hill's southern face and the face is gold that looks out on nothing, nothing but wheat and grass and the occasional stray cow lowing. Excellent. Excellent. Love it. Thank you so much. Catherine, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? Um, not that I can think of. Um, just, I did want to mention, um, I believe poetry is play that, and anyone can play. So anyone really can write poetry and enjoy poetry. And I hope that um, those listening can find time to play, find time to play with some poetry. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on here today. I wish you nothing but the best. Many blessings to you. Thank you. Thank you.